0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around,
1: and talk woodworking.
2: Hi, and welcome to the 320th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski. Today, we're talking about the Five Asian Tools You Should Own with Wilbur Pan. So, Wilbur, welcome back to the show. So, um, this is your topic. So, what are the five Asian or Japanese tools? Are they all Japanese or or not?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, they'll they'll be all Japanese. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I didn't want to stereotype. So, anyway. (laughs) So um, so tell us about, so what's the first one uh, folks should look at if they're looking to get into Japanese um, tools. Um, what's one of the first tools you recommend folks okay. picking
3: up? All right. So <clears throat> so first of all, if you're going to be using Japanese tools you'll, um, or hand tools in general, you need a way to sharpen them. So tool number one is some sort of sharpening system. Um, and uh, basically what I generally recommend is to get a um, set of waterstones. Um, the first would be uh a thousand grip waterstone the second one would be uh a waterstone that's in the four thousand five thousand grip range and the last one would be a waterstone that's at least eight thousand grip in uh grit and I would actually suggest just going as high as you um can afford uh mm-hmm. for for that last one um there there are a lot of different brands out there they all work uh pretty uh, pretty well um uh if if I'm pushed for a recommendation i'll I'll say uh, get the Shapton pros. Uh, just because they're pretty easy to find. Um, uh, I'm not saying that they're necessarily better or worse than other Japanese waterstones out there, but I do know that for some of the uh, other brands, there's basically just one source uh, for them. Um, And it's not impossible to get uh, those either, but uh, I do think the Shaptons are probably the easiest to run across. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be thing number one. Um, Well,
2: That's a unique perspective because, yeah, most people start with the tool, but yeah. You, you need to sharpen. You gotta the tool. be sharp,
0: no matter what. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Now, do you favor any um, other things besides water stones, diamond stones, the CBN stuff that's out there now, or any of that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, my feeling about the type of sharpening thing that you use, no one ever gets a sharpening thing because they love to sharpen. Mm-hmm. What it really happens is. You look at all the choices out there. So basically, there's oil stones, water stones, diamond plates. That that's it, right? Yeah. Well,
2: CBN is coming and in. CBN, but, yeah, yeah.
3: Are they, are they making like flat CBN things?
2: Yeah, they're starting oh, okay.
3: to. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, what I found is everyone looks at these things and. They dislike something about all of them and they wind up picking the one that they hate the least instead of picking on the one that they like the most. So water stones, uh, there is an element of flattening them and you have to have a way of corralling the water in your shop. Uh, with oil stones, um, you have to use oil for them, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and if you talk to Bob Rosieski, he'll also point out that uh, uh not all oil, oils are the same. You know, some oil stones work better with more viscous oils and others work better with something that's thinner like kerosene or WD forty. In any case, you have to deal with the oil um and it smells. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I feel nervous about having something volatile in my enclosed basement shop. Um,
2: well, it just reminds me of when I was a kid and got the pocket knife and the oil stone and the oil and and going, yeah, that knife was never sharp.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and if we're talking about Japanese tools in particular, um, oil stones are going to be noticeably slower than water, water stones. Again, it's not that you can't sharpen, um, Japanese tools with oil stones. It's just, um, it'll take a little bit longer. Um, so, so there, there's that issue with oil stones, and then for diamond plates, um, and I'm going to guess uh, with the CBN uh, plates that uh, you, you mentioned, um, th- those tend to leave deeper scratcher you know, scratches at equivalent grits than the water stones and mm-hmm. oil stones do. So, uh, so even though um, you may, um, you know, finish up with any given. St- the the first step relatively quickly, the following steps actually seem to take longer um, because you have to spend more time getting out those deeper uh, grooves that the diamonds uh, tend to leave. And and just in terms of using them, they give me this like fingernails on the chalkboard feeling that just since, you know, that tingly that nasty tingling feeling up on Ooh, the yeah, I just yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i i mean i actually do have one diamond plate which is 400 grit and i use it for two things uh, the first thing i use it for is flattening out my waterstones because it's actually very good at, at doing that and the second thing is that if i nick a blade or something like that and i have to remove a lot of steel that's when i'll use that diamond mm. uh, plate mm-hmm. um but uh but for the most part like i like i said i like using waterstones Um, They they work fast. The flattening is not as bad as you might uh, think it is, and it's actually relatively to find a plastic tub or something to corral the water. Um, So so that's generally what I recommend.
2: So number
3: two. Okay, so number two
2: um, is
3: going to be a batch of things that you need to measure and mark things with. So a ruler, a square, and a marking gauge. And, of course, a ruler and a square don't have to be Japanese. You can get that at your local art supply store or wherever. Um, but there are Japanese barking gauges that do you know, um, quite well. Um, you know, the better ones.
2: Well, I want to stop you there just for a second because, um, yeah, if you're a woodworker and you have never visited an art supply store, you will find yourself there for two hours. <laughs> you know insane. Yes, I can use this. I can use that. I can use this. So if you haven't been to art supply store and I'm not talking Michael's, I'm talking a Mm. true art supply store. Mm -hmm. uh, You need to go there and just walk up and down the aisles and you will find all kinds of neat little things. And most of them are very inexpensive that you can use in your woodworking. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, sorry that, that that was my tip.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's actually a very good tip. Um, and um, even though I understand your point about like the better art supply stores in the Michael's, um, mm-hmm. the first time I like wandered into a, a Michael's after I started woodworking, I spent a couple hours in there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, anyway, you know, so what I was saying is that, you know, the ruler and square can be just any ruler and square that you want to, uh, that you want to use. Um, there are, there are uh, Japanese marking gauges, which are quite nice. Um, uh, you know, because the, uh, uh the, um, Uh, The the business end of the marking gauge are actually two knife, um, uh, uh, two cutters that have like a knife uh, profile uh, with a right and a left-handed one. Um, And they leave a very clean line. They're really nice to use. and uh and believe it or not, they actually take the time to do the hard steel soft steel lamination thing at the ends of those so um uh so the marking gauges uh that I have um you know i I honed them up when I first got them, and that was you know many years ago, and I've never felt the need you know, to uh have to resharpen them
1: uh,
0: mm-hmm.
3: since um but uh, they're 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 real they're really terrific um
0: yeah i have a a a check edge mm-hmm. marking gauge it's not a, it's not a laminated yeah. blade but it's a chisel point Yep. and same kind of thing i think i might have brushed it against a, a strop
3: at one point just to touch it up but otherwise yep. you know i like that style mm-hmm.
1: so
3: so so now you have like something to sharpen your tools with and you have things to mark out lines so that you know where to cut and chisel and chop and all that so the third thing that I would say in, um, in in order of priority would be to get um, uh, Japanese uh, chisels and a hammer. And I know that sounds like I'm talking about two tools, but you really need a hammer if you're going to use chisels effectively. Mm-hmm. So I'm lumping them together as one. Um, and the reason I uh, generally suggest that people start off with Japanese chisels is that everybody can use a better chisel. Um, you know, if you're used to Western saws, you may not need see the need to go to a Japanese saw and, you know, um, and planes are great. But uh, I think overall for the, uh, for any woodworker having a really, really good chisel um, will benefit uh, everybody with like almost no learning curve um, other than knowing how to set the hoop when you first uh, get the thing. And that, that really isn't very difficult at all. Um, and here, uh, I mean, overall, when I talk about Japanese tools, I generally try not to go... The, down the road of oh you know Japanese tools are so much better than any other uh, tool because I just find it turns people off but I actually can confidently say that um, there's the only reason to not use a Japanese chisel because like I said a chisel is a chisel mm-hmm. um, is either you just like the um way that a western chisel feels in your hand because a western chisel is generally longer than the japanese chisel that's used for the same
1: uh, purpose
3: so you know western mortise chisels are longer than japanese mortise chisels western pairing chisels um are longer than japanese pairing chisels and western bench chisels are longer than japanese bench chisels now i actually happen to think that the shorter length makes it much easier to maneuver those chisels around than the western counterparts but some people like the larger tools which is you know fine that's all Mm. So that would be one reason not to pick up a Japanese chisel. But the only other reason not to pick up a Japanese chisel is that you wanted to spend more time sharpening your chisels. So so you avoid the Japanese chisels for for, uh, that reason. Um, And and it is true. Um, The harder steel does allow you to um, keep the edge for for a considerably longer period of time. Um, That's been my experience. Um, and, and if you use them with waterstones, they're actually very easy to sharpen because of the laminated construction and the fact that the hard steel is there, but it's actually a very thin layer of hard steel. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to do do that much work and the properties of the steel itself make it easy to sharpen. Is there a specific make or source of Japanese chisels that you would recommend? Um, what I would recommend is get one chisel in the in the size that you'll be using a lot of um, so a quarter inch Japanese chisel, I think is great. Um, you know the other thing you might want to think about is getting uh, is just starting out with a one inch wide one mm-hmm. uh, because it's wider um, uh, you, you can use it for pairing because then you can use the whole surface of the chisel
2: um,
3: as your reference uh, thing um, but but just get one and there are a lot of good makers out there. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like uh, trying to pick between Lee Nielsen and Lee Valley when you want to get a plane, you know, they right, both... right. Um, uh, the, the only thing to avoid is don't get the super cheap ones. Um, because basically what you're paying for is the labor and the skill of the blacksmith in terms of making the, uh, making the mm-hmm. chisel. So if you get a super cheap one, um, yes, they're going to be laminated, but what you'll find is that there may be not as much attention paid to the lamination process. Like they might just take a hard piece of steel and a soft piece of steel and stick it in some uh, mechanized trip hammer thing and just whale away it at it for a while and right. then throw it to the side and then grab the next one. Mm. Um, yeah, where with the blacksmith, they're doing, they really are doing these things one at a time, and they're paying attention to what they're doing. Mm.
2: Um, so, I, what kind of price point are you talking yeah. about?
3: Yeah, so, so basically the price point you should be looking at, um, these days, I would say um, any chisel that's $60 and up um, okay. is worthwhile. And uh, and granted, you can actually go very high in terms of the uh, price of the chisel, but I think you start to hit the diminishing return category when you get to about $100 a chisel. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that um uh, a lot of time what you're playing for, paying for is the uh, um is the reputation of the maker you know, so there's a little bit of you know personal branding <laughs> going on there or artistic stuff like um you know the uh, mocha pattern that's like the uh, uh wood grain pattern right see uh, which it looks really pretty and maybe one day i'll get one of those things but it has <laughs> absolutely nothing to the function and i'm not saying that aesthetics have no function it's just it's that's a very personal uh, choice, but uh, um, but but don't don't get the 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 package of ten from Grizzly where it's like a hundred dollars. Right, right, right. That's
2: yeah, you want to get the same quality. comparable to a uh, Lee Nielsen or Lee Valley chisel, about that same price range.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, one time I actually did go on eBay and I searched for the cheapest Japanese chisel I could find. And and what it was is that there was a set of three that was sold in like this blister pack. Um and it came from Japan. But it um uh but, but it was like thirty dollars shipped to my door. I I can't I can't believe I, I how uh, <laughs> oh, I managed to up with this thing. And and I pulled out the chisels and when I looked at them, they were laminated, but basically um uh, what was missing was uh, a lot of the fit and the finish. So the so the grinding on the body of the chisel and the and the hollow in the back it was really rough. Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay. And and, uh, and the grinding on the bevel was really rough. So um, and and little uh, details like um, you know the the shoulders of the body of the chisel where it meets the shaft um, they were very roughly ground out um, and not very nice to look at. Whereas you know the chisels that I actually use and in in all of these i think i got for about 60 to 75 dollars uh, each over, over the years um all those parts are really nicely made um and and they're nice to look at so um maybe not as nice as the Mocha made chisels but still nice yes <laughs> yeah but but i think that's uh, that's really where um uh what you're getting for for your money when you're looking at uh, chisels in that price range is uh, the fact that someone is actually paying attention
2: to them when they're being made all right, cool. Well, I um, think we're up to number four.
3: Oh, sorry. Just one quick comment about that. Oh, sure. Hammer. Yeah. So uh, for the hammer, um, get one that's about 300. Oh,
2: yeah, the hammer. Yes.
3: Yeah. Um, get one that's about 375 grams. That's a really good weight for hammering chisels. And if you decide to go with plane blades, it's not so heavy that you can't use it to adjust a plane blade uh, as well. Um, Japanese chisels generally have a, are, are, they're two-sided. So one side is flat, which you, you would use on the chisel after you set up and mushroom the top of it. And the other side is rounded, which I've learned is excellent for pounding and cut nails because since it's rounded and as long as I'm hitting the nail, I'm not going to dent the wood.
0: Right. Mm, That's true. Yep.
1: That's cool. Mm
0: -hmm. For, for the simpletons in the room, I'm raising my hand. 375 grams is about what in pounds or ounces
3: it's about uh 13 ounces or so.
0: Okay. So a little lighter than a pound, a little heavier than a 12 ounce yep. Simple hammer.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay.
0: So yeah, that's a decent weight. That's not heavy to swing and not gonna not so light that it's not doing
3: anything either. It's got a little heft to it. Yep. Yeah. Well, like I said, I I um I was able to drive 144 nails with that uh, hammer and it still felt pretty good. And I'm not Yeah, that's
2: pretty I'm cool. shape. And uh is there a brand name source or anything like that for that type of hammer?
3: Um, no, a, hammer's a hammer
2: is um, a hammer. Okay. yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, uh, I, I will, so, um, I will say the first uh, Japanese hammer of this size I picked up from, um, I think Japan woodworker. Um, okay. and, and, it, and it wasn't that expensive. It was, uh, I don't know, maybe 20, $30 or so. Um, mm-hmm. but the one that I have now is made by, um, a, uh, uh, by blacksmith that's known for making hammers and it, and it looks nicer. And, um, uh, and, and for this hammer, um, when I bought it, they just sent me the hammer head with the expectation that I would make my own handle for it. Um, uh, which was a fun little exercise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, um, 375 gram Japanese hammer, um, that, that'll,
2: uh, uh, do a lot of stuff for you. Cool. Oh, cool. So number, I think we're up to four
3: or, okay. Yeah. So number four would be uh, Japanese saws. Um, and again, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm lumping a bunch of tools into one category and calling that equal, but, um, yeah, but, but, uh, you can, um, but, but there are actually, uh, a specific set of saws that I will, uh, I, I will recommend to people that are looking to get, you know, starting to use Japanese hand saws. So the first is a, uh, is a Ryoba and the spe- specific one is the Giyokucho 651 or the mm-hmm. 611. Um. So, the way that these saws are set up, um, and so in Jap- when you talk about Japanese saws, uh, for the ryobas at least, they come in different lengths. And the general rule is that the shorter the ryoba, the finer the teeth are. And so, <clears throat> and so they come into, in, in lengths I've seen anywhere from 180 millimeters up to 330 mil- uh, millimeters. Um, the most common size is a 240 millimeter one. Um, and and uh as you might guess like you said the, the the teeth on the 240 is sort of like in the middle and the one on mm. these are going to be smaller and the bigger ones are going to be bigger um but the one thing with the um gyokocho 611 651 ryobas is that um the teeth are actually sized for 210 millimeter ryoba so these teeth are actually smaller than what you might uh, find on a standard 240 millimeter ryoba which makes it a little bit of a niche tool in terms of Japanese woodworking because um, most people expect and use a a 240 millimeter Ryoba for most of their sawing. But the big difference is in um, Japan, most of the woodworking still is centered around, uh, you know, construction projects. Right. The 240 millimeter Ryobas are really meant for timber framing type sawing for the most part. Um, And they're using, uh, you know, softwood species where, where a coarser tooth, is generally more useful but for hobbyist woodworkers most of us are using hardwoods and um and probably north american you know species of hardwoods and we're looking to make furniture so the parts are smaller so having a smaller tooth count sorry having a finer tooth count um is advantageous there and so this particular saw what it is you're getting the length of a 240 millimeter Riova, which is a really good length because you can do a lot of cutting with a single stroke but the teeth are smaller so it actually makes it ideal for um, cutting say cherry or walnut or maple or whatever it is that you want to make your furniture out of. Um, yeah. The big difference between the 611 and the 651 is that the 611 is like a traditional Ryoba shape um, and the 651 is also shaped like a Ryoba but the taper is less uh, aggressive. Um, I generally like the six eleven just because it looks traditional, and I you know like that. But both of the saws are you know will work. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and then and I, and I have to second that recommendation. I think you gave me that recommendation years ago, and uh, yeah, it's all I use pretty much. Oh, okay, <laughs>
3: when was the last time you replaced the blade on that?
2: Just uh, um, I think about a couple years ago.
3: Okay, yeah. So yeah. so it must have gotten several
2: years out of the blade. Yeah. 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 So
3: again, pretty typical for Japanese tools. They'll just hold their sharpness for a ridiculous amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, use my, it's my, um, my Ryoba um, uh, is it, generally my go-to saw for for most, um, joinery cuts. Um, and I've gone at least three,
2: four years in between having to replace the blade. Yeah. Yep. I have a dovetail saw, a Western dovetail saw that just sitting there collecting dust.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and I
2: just, I just used mine to to make those
0: little half, bl- or, um, half lap joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, to but they were simple. I mean, I'm doing like three and a half inch, three quarter inch thick stock and just very small cuts. And, anyway, it's what I'm used to. Yeah, I
1: don't know.
0: it's just yeah. I I don't think I've got any. I have one. Flush trim pull saw, mm-hmm. and it's it's some small cheap flexible blade doohickey uh, that I very rarely, rarely use, but it's definitely something I could add to my arsenal.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so as far as the Dozuki's go, um, there's uh, again, a uh, um is uh, uh, is a brand of saws that I have. Um, I've never done like a side to side by side comparison of all the different uh, disposable brand Japanese saws because basically I've I have better things to do. (laughs) Uh, So, so I'm recommending these, not because I've compared all of them. And these are the best. These are just the ones that I have, and I'm very happy with them. Uh, But uh, as far as the Dazukis go, they have a model 370 and a model 372. Um, So the 370 is a cross cut teeth. um, And the 372 is sort of like a rip uh, cut, but it's not really. Basically what it is, it's still got cross cut teeth, but they intersperse them with these raker teeth, um which allows you to go through a rip cut more quickly than the uh, than the three seventy the cross cut version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so think think of like an alternate top bevel table saw blade um, and then make those blade uh, make those blades into uh, dazuki. that's basically what you're getting here. Um, and, and, it is noticeable that, uh, you know, you know that, um, uh, when I use it for rip cuts, uh, it just goes you know, more, more quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. so those three saws together, I think is, it's easily less than
2: $150. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Um,
2: yeah. I have that Dozuki too. So, yeah. 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 So, um,
3: uh, you know, which again, if you, even if you uh, look at other Western saws, it, it's actually
2: a bargain um comparatively speaking oh yeah yeah and uh you know they they are what impulse hardened teeth i guess Mm -hmm. but uh they do last a long time and uh it's it's fairly inexpensive to you know just replace the teeth and a lot less uh, nerve-wracking than trying to sharpen them right right yeah
3: Um, and and even if you ding up um your saw um it'll it'll still keep going because yeah I know on my guzuki, I banged it into something metal that was sitting on my um, bench, and a tooth basically chipped out. And and I looked at it, and not only was a tooth chipped out, but the other teeth around it were, you know, clearly bent. Mm-hmm. And all I did was I uh, took my hammer, the, the rounded side of my hammer, and I just pounded on that area on both sides so that I didn't have teeth sticking out, you know, right. further, wider than the curve. And it works perfectly well. Um, so, so I thought I was just going to replace the blade, but, um, at this point, I'm just going to wait till it gets
2: dull and then replace the blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, like anything, you can, uh, definitely go high end with your Japanese mm-hmm. saws too and get the, uh, the, I guess the, uh, traditional saw maker there to, uh, to pound out one for you, so to speak. I think they got tapered They're tapered in uh cross section, I believe. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yep. They're, um, Yeah, so the the handmade Ryobas, uh, they're they're tapered two ways. So they're Mm. tapered from the tooth line to the center of the blade, um, Mm. uh, uh, going in both directions if you're talking about a Ryoba. Um, And it's also tapered, um, it's it's thicker at the handle end and thinner at the floppy end of the blade.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: um, And and the reason for doing that is that it's the same reason why old distance saws were tapered, where um, Mm -hmm. – taper then you can rely on the taper to provide clearance as you're sawing through your board instead of the kerf mm-hmm. and, and instead of the set of the teeth um and because of that then you can make the uh, kerf smaller because then you don't have to set the teeth as much because you can rely on the uh, taper to uh, um, to do that and then what all and all of that what all of that leads to is that the kerf that's left by a japanese saw is thinner than the kerf that's left by a western saw and it may not sound like much because we're talking like you know, maybe a couple hundredths of an inch, but we're really talking about a curve that can be easily 30% smaller or, or more than uh the comparable western saw, which um means 30% less work when you're sawing. And uh and, and and that's a real advantage, I think. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. The other the other thing about the handmade saws is that um I, I, I actually clearly remember when I first got into woodworking, I went to the Long Island Woodworkers um, meeting, which they happened to be having one of their me- meetings. It, it was like um, their version of, uh, of say, Fine Woodworking Live or Woodworking in America before either one of those things existed. And it was actually a really nice meeting um, because they had a lot of fantastic speakers in a big marketplace and things like that. But uh, there was a, uh, a talk on hand saws which I went to because I was starting to get into it. And one of the things that was mentioned there was that, um, you know, you can buy these hand saws and they're pretty cheap, but you can also get these handmade Japanese uh, hand saws, which are like, you know, 300, $400. And who would spend that much? And you know, of course that was a big laugh line. <laughs> the crowd. But now you, you uh, fast forward to 2020 and you can actually find handmade Ryobas that are selling for a little bit over $200 which mm. means that you're actually spending, what, maybe 120 on each saw because a Riova is actually two saws in one. Right. And then you compare that to the better-made Western saws that are available now that weren't available then, and you, you take a look at the prices. Um, you know, Badex uh, saws are, what, $250, $300 or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so think, uh, Lee Nielsen, I don't think, are as expensive, but they're up there. And, and you have to remember, you're only getting one saw. So... And so I think we've come from a time where Japanese saws were looked at as, you know, a ridiculous amount of money to sell to pay for a saw. And now they're the value proposition. Um, and you get all the advantages of, you
2: know, mm-hmm. ring and hand tensioning and all of that. Wow. Yeah. That, that is interesting. That is it, interesting. Yeah. So, so, so number five, number five.
3: So the last one would be Japanese planes. Um, and there are two planes that uh, I would suggest anyone get. One would be a plane to just remove would fairly quickly like what you would use for a jack plane, so you don't have to spend a whole lot of money on that. And I would actually get one of those, learn how to use it, and then get yourself one of the Japanese planes that takes like the super thin shavings that you would see in a planing uh, contest. Because um, as I've uh, in my experience has been, the more I learned how to use Japanese planes, the more time I was spending on figuring out how to use a Japanese plane to, to uh, get wood of wood in a hurry, rather mm. than the planing contest thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and in actuality, um, there is one plane. I, mean, I participate in the planing contest. I never expect to win because I am i don't think I'm that good. Um, and But I think also because I tend to use planes for a different purpose in my shop than for the planing contest. And so for my smoothing plane, um, I actually have to spend some time ahead of time reconfiguring the blade um, because um, since I'm using my smoothing plane to build projects, um, I do have a little bit of a camber on it because sometimes I have to plane down a wide panel and you need a camber on your blade so that you don't right. leave tracks. But that's not what you want in your planing contest plane because for that, you want the blade, uh, the, the edge of the blade sh- completely straight across from side to side. Um, and so I have to take the camber out in order to do that. And then I have to reconfigure the sole accordingly. Um, and then I do
2: the planning contest and then I lose.
3: <laughs> and I come back to my shop and then I have to put the camber back on the plane again.
2: Well, and, obviously, you need a competition plane.
3: Uh, yeah, but um, you know, I'm not going to buy a, uh, I, I'm honestly not going to buy a plane for, that I'm going to use once a year. <laughs> and, I, and I've only entered a couple planning planing contests, so it's not even like I'm using it often. I do think about it, though. But, yeah. uh, but no, I, I, um, I, I would rather buy wood.
2: Well, so, now, some of the Japanese planes have chip breakers and some do not. Yep. So. What do you recommend, or does it matter?
3: Well, if you buy a Japanese plane today, they're all going to come with a chip breaker, unless you specifically say, I want one without one. So it's going to okay. come with a chip breaker uh, for the most part if you, uh, if, you, if you pick one up. And the chip breaker, regardless of what I said in, in, in before, uh, the chip breaker does have its use. Um, so it's nice to have one, even if you hardly ever use it. Um, and it. And it's built into the price of the plane, so it's not like you're going to save money by buying a plane without a chip breaker. So it'll be there, and then you can set it up. Um, and if you um, take the class I'm uh, that, that I'm doing uh, on November fourteenth, I'll tell you all about how to um, use the chip breaker and how to set it up.
2: <laughs> Fantastic. So. Um... So any it, you said so so you want to get the roughing plane and then the I guess the 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 smoothing plane, so basically a a, a jack plane should I say
1: yeah and
2: then, a, and, and then once you get comfortable with that, then move on to the smoothing plane. so are there any um, sources or price points you need to look at?
3: Yeah, so if you're buying one new um, for the for the uh, for the uh, first plane, um, I'd look for something that's between $100 and $200. Um, okay. And they're, they're, you know, um, so the reality is if you, at this point in time, if you go to the people that sell Jap- Japanese tools and they specialize in Japanese tools, I'm not talking about like, you know, say Lee Valley where they have some Japanese tools, but mm. they sell other things. Um, most of them are interested, you know, most of them are selling, you know, relatively. Um, better quality planes, um, so they're set up to be smoothers, and they're made by blacksmiths that are really good at what they uh, they do. And and I do understand why that's the tool that they sell because there's almost no margin at selling the cheaper ones. Um, and so why should they go through the bother of selling, you know, of doing the same amount of work and not getting, you know, the the, the same profit margin that they might get from selling better made made ones. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a jack plane. Uh, and you go to a Japanese, um, if you go to a company that specializes in selling Japanese tools, it's going to be hard to find one um, unless you just want a plane that's, you know, way nicer than it needs to be for this uh, purpose. Um, what I would recommend is just going to eBay um, uh, if if you're looking, if you're seriously looking for a plane in, in that sort of price range and you know, because you'll find some options for new uh, you know, planes. Um, Uh, that that'll be in that price range and all you have to do uh, is make sure it comes with a chip breaker and it's um, either 65 or 70 millimeters wide Um, i would actually recommend getting the 65 millimeter one because since it's a little bit narrower it's going to be a little bit easier to set up and to use and Mm. then 70 millimeter one for your smoothing plane that's actually exactly what happened to me except i didn't know what i was doing when i first got these <laughs> planes. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the, the one that I use most often and the one that's um, it, it's actually set up to be a little bit finer than a jack plane can be um, but it's not a smoothing plane um, it sort of sits in the middle range maybe uh, if you can think of it like a short joiner plane maybe that's the best way of describing it but um, but basically I found this um, plane on eBay 10 11 years ago. Um, and it was being sold along with a bunch of other Japanese tools, clearly by some guy who tried Japanese tools and decided to just dump all of them because this thing was like almost unused when I got it and it was 65 millimeters uh, wide and it's the plane that I use all the time. Um, and I, I, and basically the way I have it set up is that I can use it to pull off a reasonably thick shaving, maybe not quite jack plane level, but, um, I can get rid of uh, wood in a reasonable hurry, um. I'd say the thickest shaving I could take off with it is maybe a little bit less than a sixteenth of an inch, and mm-hmm. I came down to as you know like close to uh, smoothing plane quality, but not not c- completely there. Um, and uh, and that's what I uh, that's how I learned to use um, Japanese planes. Um, and then after that, that's when I got the plane that I use as a smoothing plane. That's a full size seventy millimeter one. And then um, I also picked up another you know very much used plane on eBay. Uh, that I set up to be a real jack plane with a highly cambered uh, edge um, and a wide open mouth. Um, and, and that one was basically uh, very cheap because I knew what I was going to be using it for and
2: didn't want to spend a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. So those are the five Japanese tools you <laughs> must own. Or tool groups, I suppose. Tool um, groups. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, very much appreciate A lot of great information there. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, For more information, uh, where can folks find you on the interwebs?
3: Yeah. So in terms of a starter set of Japanese tools, I actually did a couple blog posts um, not too long ago Mm -hmm. uh, where I came up with a starter set of Japanese tools. And there's much more nerdery that went in there because I made a spreadsheet and stuff. But um, it's actually pretty (laughs) – I think it's uh, not a bad – There's a PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I, I think I came up with a pretty good like minimal set of tools um, if you want to get into Japanese tools. So um, and so if you just go on my blog and go back a couple pages, you should be able to find the two articles. One is on the tools and one is on the sharpening systems. Um, but uh, just overall, um, I'm on my blog. It's uh, Giant Cypress at uh, GiantCypress.net. Um, so it's giant Cypress, the woodworking blog site, not giant Cypress, the bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the rest of my contact information is on my blog. You can find my email and my links to Instagram and Facebook. Yeah.
2: And, and, it's- it also, yeah. and also if you search for Wilbur Pan Japanese tools, not just Wilbur Pan, because yeah. you'll get another guy, but Wilbur Pan Japanese <gasps> tools. There's
1: two of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there are.
2: Yes. Yes, yeah, so if you if you want to hear the musical stylings of Wilbur Pan, then just search for that.
3: <laughs> He's like this rapper from uh, Taiwan. And, oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is that his Chinese name is almost exactly like my Chinese name. It, it's just that um, I, I think the the last character in his Chinese name, so both of our names are, are in Chinese are Pan Weibo, and he writes the "bo" differently than how I, I write it in mine. Um, wow. so yeah. Um, and, and the funny thing is that he used to spell his English name W I L B U R, which is how I spell mine. Um, and then I, I, I don't know why I did this to the guy because actually looking back, it was kind of mean, but, um, he's on Facebook. And so I followed him on Facebook and because we had the same name, I would do things like he'd post a picture, a selfie of him. Out, out at an after party and said having a great time at the after party and then I would immediately post and say wait I don't remember being there and, and, <laughs> and the only difference would be our profile pictures so um if you looked at it real quick you it sounded like he was he had blacked out at the party or something oh my gosh but then what I learned is that now he's spelling his uh, English name w-i-l-b-e-r <laughs> <laughs> And I I have a feeling, I have a bad feeling that maybe I made him do that. (laughs) Oh, boy. He was having
0: a very similar conversation, just the opposite side of it, going, there's this other guy, and he spells his name this way, and he keeps commenting on my crap. Oh, I
2: changed my name. (laughs) Crazy. You're the Wilbur troll, Link.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm going to apologize if I ever meet him and buy him a drink.
2: There
0: you go. Dessert. Dessert.
2: Yep. Oh, fantastic well, sean where can folks find you on the interwebs
0: oh i'm sean w78 on most social medias how about you kyle
2: uh you can always find me at Barton.kyle on instagram the only social media platform that matters and with hey, that
3: th- Kyle, kyle can, yes let mention some social media data that sure really appreciate so um so i don't often cross post across you know the various social media things but sometimes i do because there's um, because I just want to get input. Um, and, uh, and I, I recall trying to count up how much engagement I get. Um, and the weird thing is that I got the most engagement on the the cross post to Instagram, even though I'm hardly ever there. Mm -hmm. And I got the second amount of engagement on Facebook, which I'm, I'm more active on. And I almost got like no engagement on Twitter. So maybe there's something to your only social media platform that matters
2: line. <laughs> of course there is. Yeah. At least have you have it now, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll always point back to uh, the Wilbur data point for Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there, there you, you go.
3: go. I, you can't argue with science. Exactly.
0: No. No, and I I think it is it kind of what you experience Wilbur. It, it, it is it and has been for years now. The more community based. Thing. So, depending on your topic, depending on your demographic that you're reaching, and that's, mm-hmm. there's some division there, too, um, although we, we skew that. I mean, Kyle's older than me and arguably in more of the Facebook demographic.
1: <laughs>
0: no <laughs> oh, offense. Oh,
2: oh, that, I mean,
0: by, by general yeah. terms. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, well, you're
2: right. You're actually
0: uh, right. No, and, and, and yep. it is. It's like, my parents, and you're not as old as my parents, but you, my parents are on on Facebook and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And anyway, and, and, but the the community involvement has always been something that Instagram has been known for. Yeah. And so if you want to get your message out there, if you want to share something, if you want to find people that will share your content, it's going to be on Instagram.
3: Just because of that, I'm going to start a TikTok account tonight.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and a Twitch channel while you're at it. Yeah, Twitch, yeah. I mean, and I, I was with my my wife and her friends this week, this past weekend and they're all Snapchat people and I don't get into that either. Ugh. Oh.
3: Well, I'm still using Tumblr for uh, Giant Cypress.
2: There you go. There you go. There you Good go. Going.
3: Tumblr rocks. I love it. So,
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. once I got rid of all the porn. Um, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> and uh, so with that uh comment that just about wraps it up for this show so if you haven't already please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice just search for the modern woodworkers association and while you're there please leave us a review
0: thanks for listening you can follow us on instagram at mwa underscore podcast the best thing you can do though is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion